Radio Influence. The future is now. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer. So glad you're here once again for this thing that we call a podcast. Coming up in just a little bit, uh, did a little cross-promotional deal. I was uh, very excited and uh, to be on the Duh cast, which is James Ellsworth's podcast uh, earlier this week. And uh, we promoted uh, that, uh, do a little cross-promotion. So he asked me a bunch of questions on his podcast. You can check that out. Uh, and uh, we're going to have him on this podcast. I think his story is is really amazing. You know, as somebody who who talks about getting to live their dream and how much they appreciated it, uh, you know, this this guy toiled uh, in independence for over a decade, uh, and I, we're going to talk to him about, uh, you know, how if he ever got frustrated, if he ever wanted to give up, and, and how it was to finally uh, get to where he has gotten in his success. So looking forward to that. And uh, we'll bring him on in just a few minutes. I try to stay away for the most part from controversy on this podcast. And uh, I do want to bring up, there's a guy who wrestles as Sam Adonis. Uh, He wrestled in Mexico. He wrestles out of Pittsburgh. His brother uh, is actually Corey Graves. And, uh, and he's a heel. And uh, I know him a little bit from Florida. He was uh, based out of Florida for a while. I started Tampa, right where I live. And he went down to Mexico and (laughs) he did. He actually was featured in like Time magazine. He did an anti-Trump. I'm sorry, a pro Donald Trump gimmick when Donald Trump was running for president in Mexico, of all places. And the fans sort of played along. He was, you know, the bad. It was almost like a wink, wink. You know, they booed him, but they didn't, you know, they didn't stab him. Uh, they they booed him uh, because, you know, they obviously didn't like Donald Trump, the things he was saying. You know, the heat makes itself. And that's the that's that's the really the part about this story that I want to talk about is not verbiage, uh, not actions, but heat, because we're, we're we, this is a business where you have to create heat. And the question is, where's the line? That's, and I, I don't have an answer to this question, by the way. And I'm not saying uh, what he recently said on an indie show was right or wrong. Probably crossed the line. I recently posted a clip of a match from back in the WWF days of Coco Beware. He was he did a top rope drop kick onto Big Boss Man when Big Boss Man was the top heel. The fans, the entire arena stood up to applaud the top rope drop kick. Now, tell me the last time that's happened uh, in, in professional wrestling these days because it's really hard to get heat when the whole world is so politically correct. So I guess the question is, where's the cutoff? Where, where, what's right and what's wrong? Was it appropriate for him to do a pro-Donald Trump gimmick uh, in Mexico? Because he got over. Uh, he was one of the top stars of CMLL for, for a while until he decided to tour internationally and i'm sure he will probably end up back there at some point i mean the guy had a picture of donald trump on his on 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 his flag on the mexican flag he brought out and like rick rude used to do had the picture of donald trump airbrushed on his tights you can't get more politically incorrect than that but nobody said anything time magazine featured him in a in a in a segment uh so, and it wasn't a negative segment. It was about a guy taking advantage of of a political situation in a country where it was it was uh, questionable and, and getting heat off and making a name off of it. And uh, and so to round this all up, he was in England uh, last week, I think, and he said a word that I don't agree with, uh, but I don't know that it's a cross. I don't know that it's a word that. Yeah it's, yeah, it's inappropriate. Yeah, it's rude. But is it a word that a heel trying to get heat can't say? And I, I really I really would love your input on this on social media at David Penzer at Penzer Ringside uh, on Twitter. I, I really would like your input on this. You know, I ask for input all the time. So I appreciate the people that that um, that write back in and participate. 
I don't think there's a wrong or a right answer, but at what point does the heel heat uh, stop? Do, do, do we want to get rid of heels and baby faces? Uh, if not, uh, are heels allowed to skirt the pol- pol- politically correct lines? Uh, they, they talk about totally different subject, but sort of the same vein. They talk about bringing back all in the family or the Jeffersons uh, in a reboot. I've seen several articles that they're looking to do that. How do you do that in this society? If you've never seen all in the family, just Google all in the family uh, or, or on YouTube, all in the family. Look at a couple clips. Uh, it was groundbreaking when it happened. Uh, it's still probably even more groundbreaking. The original episodes are today. And, but, but they were, they were, they were creating, they were not only creating comedy, but they're creating questions that families would talk about uh, because there were people who, and there still are people who believe certain things that you may not believe that I may not believe. And that's their right to believe that. I don't support that in any way, shape or form. So without getting off on a tangent, we did invite Sam to come on and tell his story. Uh, The invitation remains open. Uh, He did apologize for the comment on the on Twitter and did explain or tried to explain that it was in the process of cutting a heel promo. But I just have to wonder, and uh, at this point, uh, you know, when do people be, become afraid to be heels? Uh, and, and like I said, what's that line that you can't cross anymore? Uh, you tell me, um, I, I don't have really an opinion on this. I, I it's, uh, I don't have a right or a wrong answer, quite frankly. I just, um, I just, I just, I guess, being 52 years old and and seeing things and hearing things that were a hell of a lot worse than what he said 20 years ago in a wrestling angle or wrestling promo. Not to say it was right at the time, and not to say it's right now, but you know, it was it was said and done to get heat. So, uh, let me know what you think. Uh, what's 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 the line that you can't cross anymore as a heel in independent wrestling in this world? Uh, was 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 the line crossed when he became a Donald Trump supporter in Mexico? Uh, was the line crossed? Do you think when he said the word that he said as a heel in England? Uh, and 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 where where does that line stop? Um, just think as we, you know, I'm a, I'm a big news guy. And uh, I've always been a news junkie. And as we continue to emerge and, and find ourselves in a more politically correct environment in this country, in this world, I think these things are going to come up. And I, you know, I try to stay very fair and with an open mind. Uh, and uh, we recently did a, uh, a podcast that we pre-recorded with uh, Jim Mitchell that's going to air uh, in a few weeks when I'm on vacation and we talked in depth about uh, just a little sneak peek. We talked in depth about Chris Canyon and his uh, struggles uh, to be uh, as, as a gay wrestler, as a gay person. And uh, without giving away everything that was said, the bottom line is nobody would have cared. Nobody cares anymore. Uh, Maybe 25 years ago, 30 years ago, somebody would have cared. If Chris Canyon would have come out in WCW, I can't think of one person that I know. And there's people that say things behind the scenes that, that you know, weren't politically correct and weren't acceptable in that society back in the 90s and not, certainly not acceptable in this society. You know, not everybody was, uh, was, was clean as a whistle. There was people that had their beliefs. But I can't think of one person who would have harassed Chris Canyon. I can't think of one person who would have uh, looked down on Chris Canyon. If he came out uh, in WCW, even not to the world, even to the boys as being gay. And I think he would have been so much happier. And uh, uh, so uh, as, as we wrap up this segment, uh, just any input that you have, uh, love to hear from you. It's just there's a line in there and I'm not sure where the line begins and ends. And uh, I think that needs to be defined because I know Sam Adonis, he's not a bad guy. He's not a racist. He's not a homophobe. Uh, he's a good guy trying to go out there and make a living by creating heat. Did he maybe say the wrong thing? Maybe, probably. But again, uh, 
you know, uh, you just, uh, you just got to wonder sometimes. And, uh, Sam, uh, I reached out to you, uh, on personal message. And, uh, if, and when you decide you want to tell your story, uh, we'd love to have you on sitting ringside. Uh, you've already apologized for what you said, so we don't need to even get into that, but just tell your story. I'd love to hear about some of the stories in Mexico as a, uh, Donald Trump supporter, American, uh, down in Mexico. I was just in Tijuana, as you know, and, uh, I didn't see anything political, actually. I don't think anybody much cares down there. I think they care less than, 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 than a lot of people care here. But uh, that's neither here nor there as well. So my rant, not really a rant, just a question, is over. And uh, like I said, look forward to your input. At David Penzer, at Penzer Ringside. Love to have Sam Adonis on. Talented kid. And um, we uh, are excited this week to have, talk about uh, uh you know, uh, fairy tale story. Uh, this is as much of a fairy tale story as I've ever heard in the pro wrestling business. And, uh, so fun to talk to a guy who after over a decade of toiling, uh, on the independent circus circuit was able to find success. And, uh, we're going to talk to him right now about how that happened and about what lies in the future and what he has to say to maybe those of you who, have been trying to find success and might be getting frustrated uh, because that success hasn't come in the way you want it to be and what may be maybe a positive, uplifting message. Uh, so without further ado, please welcome former WWE superstar and the intergender champion, James Ellsworth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, you might have heard, did a little cross-promotion. I was honored to be on the Duh podcast, uh, James Ellsworth's podcast earlier this week. And uh, if you haven't heard it, check it out. That time, James was asking the questions, and we decided to have James on City Ringside. Let me ask the questions so a little turnabout is fair play. So without further ado, please welcome former WWE superstar, man whose story uh, I've been wanting to talk about for a long time because I think it's amazing, especially as somebody who talks about living my dream. Please welcome James Ellsworth. Oh, I, I hate that word, former. Former? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown, Paige fired me. And now I am a former WWE superstar, but I have started the hashtag rehire Ellsworth, and we're going to get me back on SmackDown Live. Now, with, with Paige was so mean to you, why would you want to be back on, on her show? How about, what about Raw? Uh, SmackDown's my home, man. That's where I cut my teeth. That's where uh, everyone knows James Ellsworth from SmackDown Live. And it's just, it just feels like home and I'm homesick. You ever been homesick? <laughs> like, it's what it is. Hey, hey, as, as, as <laughs> I was going to say, has the job you've been waiting for all your life ever, <laughs> ever ended? And I guess that's a stupid question for you, but hey. At least your company's still in business. My company went out of business, so uh, but that's a long time ago. And uh, <laughs> different, I, I, but um, yeah. So I want to talk about uh, before we talk about uh, WWE and how that all happened because I think it's quite amazing. Uh, you worked a long time on the indies. Tell me a little bit about highlights of that, lowlights of that, and um, and and you know uh, what you did uh, on the indie scene before gaining fame and fortune. Well, I started in 2002. I was trained by uh, ECW original Axel Rotten, who had a little stint at WCW way back in the day. And a lot of people don't know. He uh, used to have like a British gimmick, Axel Rotten. Look I remember it up. that. Yeah, yeah. And um, you were there, Dave. I think yep. I was like 93. Yep. And um, so, yeah, I started in 2002 and wrestled anywhere and everywhere just to, you know, cut my teeth and get my name out there and just get as much experience as possible wrestling I, again everywhere and under the tutelage of axel we would go on road trips and you know and i would just i wouldn't worry about money or anything i just wanted to get the experience get as good as i could at the stuff that axel taught me was important about the business like facial expressions and selling and and having a good gimmick and you know respect and all that stuff that really really helps you along the way so I think this is a story, if I if I, if I'm correct, about uh, uh, never giving up on 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 a dream, and uh, and and you know I I love stories like that uh, because uh, if you work hard uh, and get a right break, anything could happen. And um, I try to tell my kids that, and I don't want to sound like preachy, but so um, 
So what did there come a time uh, between 2002 and 2015, which is over a decade, that you kind of just figured, all right, you know, I'm just going to be an indie wrestler and that's cool and I'm happy with it? Or did you always, in the back of your mind, just think that there might be something out there for you? Well, yeah, like, I always thought if I just kept at it and kept doing what I was doing, like, and just kept working hard, something was bound to happen. I didn't know if that something was necessarily WWE. Sure. But I figured I just something, like, was going to happen if I just kept working hard and kept on, you know, trying to make, you know, man, like, a, the movie Titanic, uh, there's a good quote from that movie, a wise man makes his own luck. And that's what I would do, get around the right people, get around the right situations, and I just figured that if I kept doing that, something was good was bound to happen. So speaking of that, and that leads, it's a great segue into my next question. Uh, July 2016, you had a match with Braun Strowman, who they, they were given a monster push with. Uh, based on what you, your quote just was, was that a planned match, uh, or was that sort of a right place, right time sort of situation? Well, I was there as an extra talent, and I touched on it a little bit um, earlier. You put yourself in the right situation. So I would always contact WWE anytime they were in my area for four hours or less uh, to be an extra talent. And um, that, that particular show, Monday Night Raw, was in Pittsburgh, four hours from my house. And um, I was booked as an extra talent for uh, Washington, D.C., which was the pay-per-view the night before. Pittsburgh, which um, that Raw with where I wrestled Strowman was. And then the next day, Buffalo, New York for SmackDown. And um, that day, just they were looking for someone to, you know, uh, wrestle Braun Strowman in, in, in a squash match. And um, Arn Anderson was the agent. He he told us all, man, whoever throws the, like the best punch is going to get the spot. And I, like I, I threw a punch, and he didn't even look at anybody else's punch. He, he said, "Not bad." He said, "Get in the ring." And I got in the ring. He said, "Oh, you're going to work with Strowman tonight." And it just happened that quick, like that quick. So it was the right place, right time situation. But again, I put myself in that situation to be in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. Uh, was the, was the, the promo that you did at the beginning of the match, was that planned or was that something that kind of, were they trying to kill time or how did that come about? Well, after we talked about the match, they, uh, they come up to me like, Hey, we're going to give you like a 15, 20 second promo. <clears throat> and they're like, uh, you know, you'll get the uh, script in a little bit. So that was, that was, first time that's ever happened to me obviously cutting a promo on live tv and uh they gave me the script and jimmy jacobs who was the writer at the time i kind of i knew him a little bit from the indies we were like best friends or anything but i knew him a little bit sure and i asked him i said hey man i know i'm punching him twice in the match i said can i say any man with two hands has a fighting chance he goes oh yeah it's a great line you can go ahead and say it and long and behold that happened to be the line that people paid attention to so that was your line absolutely 100 percent. that's awesome so the match and the promo got a buzz. The internet uh, was was ablaze, and um, just wondering at the at the time in your head, are you thinking, well, that's kind of cool, but it's a one time thing? Or did you ever get? It? I guess at what point did you get an inkling that they were going to bring you back and you might have a shot to make this in something special? Well, the next day when I see all the memes and all the hashtags and all all the stuff on the internet about me, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Fans are reacting to it, but I didn't get an inkling of it until. Um, Wednesday that week when WWE called me to do uh, an interview on WWE.com. And I was like, wait, they don't normally do that with extra talent. I said, that's pretty cool. Then Jericho reached out to me to do his uh, Talk is Jericho podcast. And I was like, wait, something's happening here. You know, I've (laughs) been in the business long enough, been a fan my whole life. Like, I know the drill. Um, When stuff like that starts to happen, like, you know, something, you know, even better is yet to come. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I guess the question would be, was every week a one-time thing or was there a long-time storyline uh, planned that when you when you went back and you started back uh, doing the angle with AJ and Dean Ambrose? Was it was was every because I know that like, you know, sometimes in WCW, like like Daphne, for instance, Daphne was planned to be a, a one week thing. And then they brought her back another week. We had her on the podcast about six months ago and then they brought her back another week and it eventually blossomed into a career. Uh, for her. Uh, so in that vein, was this like a, a week-to-week thing that kept getting over, or was it a planned long-term storyline? Well, when it first happened, the Strowman thing, they would call me every week, hey, we may need you this week, we may need you the next week, we may need you for SummerSlam. And nothing happened for six weeks, and then six weeks after the Strowman match, they finally brought me back, like AJ needed a uh, 
a partner to wrestle Cena and Ambrose. And I came out, to, they brought me out to be his partner before the Miz attacked me on the, uh, on the ramp and then beat me up. And then I didn't hear from him for another month until they did the angle with AJ and Ambrose. And that was supposed to be just for that angle, just, you know, uh, to help like do that two month storyline with Ambrose and AJ, nothing was planned long term, but the angle went so well that they went ahead and hired me. That's awesome. So, uh, was it one of those situations where you're sitting by the phone, like, uh, wait, you know, every week waiting for WWE to call until you finally got that call that they were going to hire you? Absolutely. I was keeping myself busy using, you know, what I've been given to, you know, do more and more independence and get more, you know, high profile bookings and all that. But yeah, WWE, man, that's, you know, where I wanted to be my whole life. So yes, I, I was waiting every week, like, man, I hope they call and hope they call. And then finally when they called and they were like, Hey, we got this two month angle for you. Like that was, that was really cool. That would drive me absolutely nuts. You must be a very patient person. Cause I'd be like pacing back and forth every day. But, uh, but God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, as wrestling fans, SummerSlam and All In, both less than a month away. And if you want to be at the Barclays Center live to see Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, to see Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss, uh, just announced was Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. That should be fun. If you want to be at All In to see Nick Aldis defend the NWA title against Cody Rhodes, and they just announced a slew of other matches, including a big six-man tag with Rey Mysterio in it. Anything with Rey Mysterio is always going to be a blast. If you want to be in either of those arenas, the best way to do it is through Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats offers great prices for all wrestling events from WWE pay-per-views, SmackDown, Raw, and indie shows like All In. For a limited time, Vivid Seats is giving sitting ringside listeners 10% off your first order I love that I could help you get a discount to go see a wrestling show. That When I started a podcast, if that would have been the end goal, I think I've hit it now. I love that. So be sure to take them up on the offer. All you need to do is enter promo code RINGSIDE at checkout. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. And all confirmed orders at Vivid Seats are backed by a 100% guarantee. Go to VividSeats.com or, just as easy, download the app like I did. In addition to professional wrestling tickets, Vivid Seats can help you get to the concert, baseball game, football game, or show of your choice. We all enjoy watching wrestling on TV, of course, but there's nothing like being there in person. So go to Vivid Seats. Use our exclusive promo code RINGSIDE, all capital letters, R-I-N-G-S-I-D-E, to receive 10% off your first order. The offer is good through the end of August. First-time customers only. Check it out right now. Download the app. Why don't you? Vivid Seats. So you got a contract, and uh, originally it was for a two-month angle. You ended up in the Royal Rumble uh, shortly and then uh, ended up being part of WrestleMania with Carmella. Uh, tell me about how, as a longtime fan, I know you're a fan because we talked about it on, on your podcast, uh, as a long-term fan, and, and, and a longtime worker in the business, when you get a call and they say, uh, oh, by the way, James, you're going to be in the Royal Rumble, or, oh, by the way, uh, we want you to come and be part of WrestleMania week. And I've been around WWE during WrestleMania week. I mean, the whole week is full of festivities, and I've never been a part of WrestleMania. There's, there's two things on my bucket list that I never checked off, which was being in uh, Madison Square Garden as a ring announcer and being at WrestleMania. And, uh, unless I get a call from Ring of Honor here soon, I don't think I'm going to check any of those off but how, how as, a, as a fan and a, a, a long-time worker how does that feel oh man it's amazing like well first off i actually got to win a match at madison square garden against kurt hawkins uh the day after christmas in 2016 so i, I did check that off the bucket list working in madison square That's garden awesome. which really cool and then the royal rumble which is my personal favorite pay-per-view um, they had me do this online thing. It was hashtag Ellsworth Rumble, where I was campaigning to be on the Royal Rumble. They never officially told me I was in it until the day of, but obviously, knowing the, you know them having me do that hashtag, I you know I kind of already knew I was going to be in it, but they never said it officially till the day of. And man, like the cool thing about that was it was in um in San Antonio, and it was fifty thousand uh, you know uh, seater there in San Antonio, and um the Alamo Dome it's called and right. uh yeah and just when I keep when my music hit and then just hearing a really good reaction like if you go back and watch it on YouTube or WWE Network like 
it's just one of those moments where I felt it. I came out and I, I was going crazy and running to the ring, high-fiving all the fans. And Carmella, she was behind me. It's funny to watch because, like, she's trailing behind me because I'm moving so fast because I'm so hyped up and an adrenaline's pumping so much. Like, she's, like, way behind me as I'm going to the ring. It's funny. So, yeah, that was real cool. Like, that, you know, moment I'll never forget. And then WrestleMania, funny story. So, it was in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl, which it was just hot all day. And our locker rooms were, like, outside in tents there. So, it was just hot all day. And I was like, man, this doesn't feel like WrestleMania. It's hot, it's hot, it's hot. And then once I walked through the curtain, like, I became a fan again. Like, I was like, wow, this is WrestleMania. I'm here. It's just, it's like watching a movie and, you know, like, once that magical moment in a movie happens, everything slows down. That's, sure. It was real. Yeah, it was real life. But like if everything slowed down and I was looking at the crowd and I, I felt every bit of it on the way down to the ramp. Who were some of the guys in, in when you started going on the road and doing the house shows uh, and, and really working full time? Who were some of the guys that uh, that that helped you the most as far as, uh, you know, giving you advice and and uh, maybe guys that you might have traveled with? Well, everybody was real nice. Uh, Bray Wyatt was the first guy to say, hey, you can dress in the locker room now. You're with us. You know, you don't have to walk around on eggshells. He's like, we're real you know, laid back here on SmackDown. And, you know, you're 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 a major part of the show now. And like he was so him. So hold on. Like, I don't mean, I don't mean to interrupt you. So how far into this uh, uh, deal after the Braun Strowman match did it take for them to welcome you into the locker room? Well, they never, like, not welcomed me in there. I was just waiting for someone to say, hey, you can come with us now. And sure. That happened to be Bray Wyatt. And that was probably uh, uh, maybe four months after the Strowman thing. But I it, that was on me because I waited until somebody said something. And Bray Wyatt happened to be the guy to, uh, you know, said, hey, you know, you can dress with us now. And, you know, and um, but that was just me being respectful and just waiting for somebody to say something. And who were some of the guys that you traveled with? Or did you travel by yourself or travel with Carmella? I traveled with um, Shinsuke. I traveled with a little bit. Um, Rhino, Shelton Benjamin, uh, Rudy Charles, who's one of the referees there. Real name's Dan Engler. He's Rudy Charles in uh, TNA. I don't know if you uh, are familiar, but because um, I know you worked there a little bit. But him, um, Mojo Riley, just who anybody, man. I like I was very friendly with everybody. I didn't have any enemies or anything, and I I like to travel with people and do road trips. Yeah, I'm very familiar with Rudy. We called him Rudy Mbop Charles because his uh, favorite band is uh, uh, Hanson. Hanson. Yeah, him and really. His, yeah, yeah. You need to rib him about that. Ha, I will. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Him and his wife are like the biggest Hanson fans, and I get the wife part. You know, I get you know. Hey, when I was young, and I took my girlfriend to see Duran Duran, and and, you know, the girls were screaming and she was screaming. And I, I kind of found myself like, you know, uh, the building that we had had a roof. And it's funny. My best friend at the time went had totally different seats, totally different section, went, took his girlfriend. And uh, and right. not that this is anything to do with the price of tea in China, but just you happened to mention that. So uh, so I, I happened to go up on the roof and I look across the other side of the roof and there's my best friend. And we're like, this is brutal. I mean. <laughs> the, the girl you couldn't even it was like the Beatles but the Beatles you couldn't hear the music because the girls were screaming and oh my god it was brutal and and you know uh so it's like most of the guys ended up on the roof uh uh you know with a beer in their hand and their girlfriends down down there but but Rudy loves him just as much Rudy's like uh a, a charter of his fan club so god but I love Rudy Charles he's a good guy and uh and a big hand Hanson's biggest fan so uh uh so at what point did you, maybe it was Madison Square Garden, maybe it was WrestleMania, at what point did you just kind of sit there and, 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 and realize that, you know, because there's so many people in this business, you know, you hear about, you know, the Ring of Honor guys, are they going to go to WWE? The New Japan guys, are they going to go to WWE? They, you know, and some of them do and some of them don't, but there's so many James Ellsworths who just go out there because they love the business uh, on the weekends and, and they just love being in the ring that still have that dream. When was the, was there ever a point where you just finally sat there and said, Holy shit, this is really happening to me. Every time I was there, like I just, and especially when I had the title match with AJ, the uh, WWE title match and Rudy was the referee of that actually always ribble and say, Hey man, I got a two and a half count on AJ. If you would have just counted the three, <laughs> if it shot the three, I could have been the champion. It'd been, you know, but, uh, yeah, so when they said I was going to have a WWE title match, which 
was on Talking Smack, was a show that aired on the WWE Network after SmackDown every week. I missed that show. It was a great show. But they announced it on that show, and I'm sitting there, and I didn't know until they announced it. And I'm like, what? What? I'm going to be in a WWE title <laughs> match? Like, I was just wrestling in the barn three months ago. Like, you know, it's crazy. And, um, yeah, and that's when I really, it really hit me. Like, wow, this is real. Like, they're using me and doing crazy stuff with me. And I was very humbled by it. Yeah, you sound, and you know what? It's easy to get caught up in it, but you sound like you've you've stayed really grounded, which is good. And I'm sure that helps you with any, you know, uh, when they brought you back a second time. I'm sure, you know, being humbled is the. I don't, I don't know that locker room, but what I've heard is the last thing that they want is somebody that gets a big head. So it's a great thing that you were grounded. Um, what was your interaction with Vince? I've never Vince McMahon and The Rock are the two people in the wrestling business I've never met. Uh, I'm just curious how your interaction with him was. Oh, uh, you know, I every like after every segment, I would go over there and thank him for the opportunity. And you know, he it was usually like, you know, you're welcome, good job, and you know, just stuff like that. And he, uh, I've had like two meetings with him. You know, when Carmel and I started our uh, our run together, he just told us what he wanted out of it. And uh, you know, and then when I remember when I when I got hired, they gave me the contract. I, I went to Vince and I just thanked him and I said, "I'm gonna work very hard for you." And I, I'll never forget what he said. He said, "Well, you already have, and that's why you're here." So just uh, it's always been very positive with him. I've never had a negative experience with him. Yeah, I just think again, if you show people the respect that they've earned, I think that they show you the respect that that uh, that you earned. Um, when were you made aware of your exit uh, from WWE the first time? And 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 were you given a little bit of time, or was that just like a kick in the in the gut? Oh man, it was out of nowhere. Like it was. Uh, I got home from a 16 day uh, UK tour, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm so happy to see my kids and everything." And uh, not trying to make this sound like a sob story, but this is the way it happened. No, I'm and, uh, masking. Yeah, and um, yeah, so I'm home with my kids, and and uh, they text me. They're like, "Hey, you got a second to talk?" And I call them. They're like, "Hey, look." Um, I'm going to let you go for now, but it's not going to be forever. You'll be back. You had a hell of a run. I'm like, wait, whoa, wait. you know, I, then I started getting defensive. I'm like, what are you talking about? What did I do? What did I do wrong? What? Oh, you did nothing wrong. You did great. You know, it's just, um, we're, you know, we're going to revisit you in the future. And I'm like, well, well, I'm in the middle of this storyline. And what did I do? I said, just tell me what I did wrong. I'll fix it. Uh, who do I need to talk to? And they're, they're like, no, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, don't worry. You'll be back. And I mean, six months later, they brought me back. I don't know if that was planned or not. If it was, I sure didn't know about it, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it just, it was out of nowhere and I was very disappointed, very upset. And, um, you know, anytime you have your dream job and it's just gone one day without any kind of inkling that it's going to happen, it, it, it is, it's a real kick in the gut. Yeah. Kind of referred to that at the beginning of the, uh, the interview, you came up with the intergender champion, uh, thing on the Indies. That's been real successful for you. Uh, I'm a huge, I'm probably, if Rudy Charles is the biggest mark for Hanson, I'm the biggest mark ever for Andy Kaufman. I'm a huge Andy Kaufman fan. Uh, and, um, uh, and and I know that you were talking about uh, on your podcast, maybe at some point when you wrestle Lawler on an indie uh, dressing up like Andy Kaufman. So I'm, I'm, I know you're aware of him. I don't know how much you're a fan you are. How much uh, of, of his was the intergender champion because you were working with the women in uh, in WWE or was that based off the Andy Kaufman? A little bit of both. Um, yeah, I was a big Andy Coffin fan. I was too young to see his run, you know, live, but I had a lot of VHSs. And, um, you know, when the Man on the Moon uh, movie came out, I, I went back and watched all of this stuff and became a fan, thought it was very entertaining. And, um, and yeah, then I worked with the girls with WWE. So I was like, man, I'm gonna, I don't want to go to the indies and just be, oh, this is James Ellsworth, the former WWE guy, and a man with two hands. I was like, I want to do something like entertaining and fun for everyone. And I was like, Oh, I can get this intergender title made like Andy Kaufman had. And like, I can run with that and wrestle girls. Maybe people will book me against girls. And lo and behold, like I've probably wrestled 50 girls this year so far. We're like not even like all the way through the year yet. So it's been very successful. And yeah, I'm a big Andy Kaufman fan and I had a lot of fun working with the girls on SmackDown live. And I'm having a lot of fun working with the girls on the independents. Who's the, on the independents, who's the, the, your favorite girls to work with? Man, there's so many. Uh, I really like Thunder Rosa, Mia Yim, Tessa Blanchard, uh, this girl Skyler, Hot Scoop Skyler, that's a really young girl that's upcoming, Madison Miles up in Canada, uh, Brookside out of um, 
the UK, well, she'll, she'll be in the May Young Classic, and so will Mia Yim. Um, man, there's so many. I hope I don't forget anybody. There's so many. I worked with uh, Emma, who's a former WWE girl, going under names to Neil Dashwood now, worked with her. That, that was a lot of fun. I just, I don't want to miss anybody. Holly dead. Um, this girl Gemma Cross. Like, just so many. I've, I've had a blast working, like, like all the girls. It's, it's been just, you know, Penelope Ford was one of my favorites. I'm, I don't know if you're familiar. Very, um, athletic girl uh out of jersey penelope ford if anybody uh, doesn't know her look her up she i think she has a bright future she's very very athletic has herself in real good shape and um i've worked with her three times because i just i've enjoyed it so much but yeah there's, there's so many and i hope like i said i don't want to miss anybody but just the, that's just the name a few and um yeah man it's it's and the girls have been great to work with everybody's just having a good time with it and um hopefully it continues to thrive Tessa Blanchard kick your ass? Oh, yeah. Man. She's a <laughs> tough girl. She is a tough, tough cookie. Uh, she's only 23. Can you believe that? Like, That's I mean, crazy. She, like, she has such a future ahead of her. The sky's the limit for her, man. That That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of girls, I, I, I've known Charlotte Flair uh, since she was a little kid. And uh, I used to ride with Rick, and I was at his 50th birthday party and still, you know, see him around. And we uh, but I got to kind of see her grow up and, uh, tell me about, uh, I, I don't think people appreciate, uh, when they see her on TV, how, how jacked she is. Uh, tell me about working with her and, and, and she's really brought, you know, all the girls are great on SmackDown, but she's really brought the, the women's revolution thing to a whole new level. Oh yeah. She's definitely one of a kind. Um, one, probably one of the best athletes in WWE period. Uh, very sweet girl. I uh, got along with her great. Um, yeah, got to work with her a little bit, especially in the house shows. Uh, she got to, she did her first ever choke slam on me. She was so like excited to do it. And I remember I took this nice bump for it. She, she thanked me so much for it. And yeah, man, she's, you know, if you think of uh, WWE women wrestlers right now, uh, she's one of the first names you bring up, but, um, and rightfully so. And it's crazy. Like people can't just say, oh man, it's Ric Flair's daughter. And that's why she's there. Like, yeah, she's Ric Flair's daughter, but she's also very good and very, like you said, very jacked and very, very athletic. And she has all the tools and, you know, the sky's the limit for her. I'm going to go on a limb and say, I think she'll be one half of the first ever women to main event WrestleMania. Who do you think the other half would be Ronda Rousey? Yes. Just because the name, you know, the name value and Rousey, she's, and she gets better every time I see her on TV, but she's really adapting well to WWE. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think that'll be, I don't know if it'll be next year or the year after, but I think that'll be the first ever women's main event at a WrestleMania. And, and Rousey does add the name value and star power to do that. And Charlotte, and you know, if you're going to pick a, a girl to do it, it's going to be her. Yeah, absolutely. That, and I'd be so proud of, uh, of, of Ashley and, uh, do you get to meet Rhonda at all, or you guys go in, in different uh, circles? Yeah, you're... I met her a couple of times, which I was a big fan of her from UFC, and I got a picture with her. It's on my Instagram, James Ellsworth Wrestling. And, um, yeah, um, she seemed very sweet. I didn't get to talk to her much, but, uh, you know, it's a little bit of conversations I did have with her. She seemed very nice, and she seems like she's really enjoying being in the WWE, as she was a fan her whole life, big Roddy Piper fan. And, uh, you know, she's doing great there. I believe it's good for everyone. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not a big, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to meet her just to snap a photo. Like you said, yeah, you, you took a photo with her. Um, uh, you know, my, my, my thing is I like to go in and get a photo and, you know, I don't have to, you know, have a drink with you or, or be your best friend. But, uh, yeah, that's sort of on my on my bucket list, too, is to get a photo with Ronda Rousey. So, hey, if you could ever make that happen, James, help me. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so the intergender thing is, is something that you could, I mean, that it really has no ending. Uh, you know, you could do it in any country and any, well, maybe not like Saudi Arabia, but, uh, you could do it, you could do it anywhere. And, and, you know, everybody has their own, uh, their own homegrown girl, you know, that they would want to put against, uh, WWE, uh, superstar James Ellsworth. Um, so is that is any, any, any limit? I mean, do you see any end to that? Or is that just something you're going to run with on the Indies? I'm going to run with it until, um, I, I believe it's ran its course. And right now it has, like you said, there's always girls out there to work with. And like, you know, I'm hoping to get another full-time run in WWE right now. I have a good relationship with them. I, I feel like they're going to bring me in every now and then, like they just did 
not just for one-offs, maybe hopefully, hopefully uh, to do storylines like they just did. I was there for the last six weeks doing the storyline with uh, Carmela and Oscar, which I had a blast worth working with Oscar. She's another tough cookie and very entertaining um, and just very good superstar. Um, and she sky's the limit for her too. And um, yeah, but as far as the independents go, this is what I'm doing. I'm um, defending the intergender title against women all over the world. I've been, you know, I've had, uh, matches in Canada and the United Kingdom, Dominican Republic. I was booked in China, which I had to cancel for Money in the Bank. Going to um, Mexico when Jericho's cruise defend title, like it's so. It's been all over the world already. Jericho's cruise should be a blast. Uh, I didn't know that. Realize that you're on that. That should be cool. Do you know who you're wrestling on Jericho's cruise yet? I uh, know I'm defending the intergender title. He uh, he told me that. No, I'm not sure against two, but I I can't wait, man. Jericho, he's. Like, I always say he's like my big brother in the wrestling business. He's really, like, he was the first one that really started helping me when the WWE thing started happening. And we've stayed friends since then. And um, I just, I, I had nothing but love for the guy. And I, I really can't wait to do his cruise. Yeah, he's a good guy. I'm still waiting for the invite. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no. Uh, no, but even, you know, it'd be great for you to go back full time. But even if you just keep having limited runs, it keeps you, you, you hot on the indies. You get to go back and. Get a good, get some paydays and uh, and 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 that cycle could be just as uh, you know good for you. Yeah, obviously you want to go back full time, but uh, I, I I would believe that they're gonna probably bring you in and out at least for for a while here. So should be cool. Let me ask you a question in that vein. If if a Ring of Honor reached out or an Impact, somebody that had television, uh, would you be up to that, or are you pretty much a WWE guy now? Well, right now I'm a WWE guy. I've done, I did a couple of shows for Impact. They were a lot of fun. The locker room was great. The uh, management there was fun. I don't rule anything out. Um, Ring of Honor is obviously doing very well right now, and um, you know I live in Baltimore, and they're based out of Baltimore, so you never know. Um, I, I'll never rule anything out. If it's if I feel it's right for me and right for my family, I'm, you know I'm going to do it. Like right now, I'm two weeks fresh off of WWE TV. It's only been two weeks, and uh, right. who, who knows? They might call me next week and say, "Hey, come back," or they might not. But Right now, I'm in a good position. I got a lot of bookings on the indies making good money. And right now, like, I, like, I don't spend any money, man. Like, I, I have two daughters, six and three, and I really try to build up the money to have for them for their futures and everything. And uh, so whatever's best for them is what I'm going to do. And that's 100 percent the way, way I look at things. My car I drive has 210,000 miles. I haven't even bought myself a new car since my WWE run. Like, I. You know, I'm going to drive that car until it dies because I, I like to save the money for um, my kids and put them – I want I went to put them in the best positions for their uh, life going forward. That is a smart way to do it. Uh, you know, you see so many athletes out there that have big money contracts and end up not having anything to show for it. And uh, so, yeah, I always said if I ever got an opportunity to make big money, uh, I'd spend about 20% of it put the other 80% in the bank. But, uh, yeah, man, like I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate that I could I could afford anything I've ever wanted. But what I want more than anything is a bright future for my uh, for my daughters. And I really mean that. Awesome. Uh, so tell us about your podcast and uh, when it's on and where people could find it. Uh, it's the Doug cast. You can find it on wrestling perspective podcast dot com. You can find it on iTunes, on YouTube. Just look up Doug Cast, and uh, we've been doing that for about three months now. We've had a lot of fun with Dennis, and um, it's been a good time, and it's doing well. And uh, you know, we'll be out there at that Star Cast with everyone else in the world. <laughs> just come meet us and check us out. But yeah, man, it's it's just been a lot of fun. I never thought I'd be doing a um, podcast, and Dennis asked me to do it, and I've had a really good time with it. Yeah, I had a blast on your on the podcast, and uh, looking forward to meeting you out at Starcast as well. So, uh, we'll definitely have to take a picture together, and uh, but we could have Absolutely. a drink. We could have a drink too. I'll buy. But uh, hey, thanks, thanks for coming on. And uh, you know, hey, I, I really love your story because you know I got to live my dream. Uh, it ended a little bit sooner than I'd hoped. I hope yours goes on and on as long as it can, because uh, uh, there's nothing like it, man. When when you go to work and you're pinching yourself, you know, and uh, you know, you're, you're, you're riding with guys that used to watch on TV. It's just, I can't explain to people how, 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 how satisfying it is. Uh, so congratulations on that. I love your story and, uh, 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 best wishes to you down the road. Well, one more time, Dave, before we get off here, I had you do it on the dog cast. I'm going to have you do it now. 
169 pounds, Baltimore, Maryland, James Ellsworth, go. I thought you were 168 the other night. Did you, did you eat a big meal? Oh, I had, yeah, I had some uh, crabs out here in Maryland. You know, that's crab <laughs> cakes. And <laughs> so, eat for eat for free at Jimmy's Seafood. I love I love Jimmy's Seafood. <laughs> I get the meals out of there. I go there all the time. Good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen from Baltimore, Maryland, weighing 169 pounds, James Ellsworth. <laughs> ah, it's beautiful. You still got it. I want to thank James Ellsworth for being our guest this week and want to thank him for having me on his podcast earlier in the week. And uh, what a story, man. And the fact that he's saving his money is a lesson to anybody out there who might find fame and fortune. Uh, it could be fleeting. So uh, as much as that new car, that cruise around the world may look uh, like it would be a blast to have, uh, it's much better to uh, put it away and invest it and, and you never, because you never know when all that's going to go away. So good story. Nice guy. Look forward to meeting him at Starcast. And uh, he loves when I intro him. So it makes me, hey, gives me a little bit of an ego boost. And, uh, and, and he gets a kick out of it. So harmless fun. What the hell? Uh, so thanks to James. And I um, want to remind you next week, we are going to have Jeff Jarrett give an extended interview. Jeff has been on before, just telling a story here, a story there. Uh, talking about getting in the Hall of Fame. Very short, five-minute segments. Uh, so we're going to do an extended segment with Jeff about his career and about his um, journey and where it's going and uh, being a second-generation wrestler and all about TNA and, and Global Force Wrestling. So And also uh, about StarCast. You could, as we talked with SoCal Val last week, uh, you could buy the whole darn thing on Fight Network, Fight TV, uh, the price is very fair and you get to see, I think over 20 panels. So, uh, I think that's a great opportunity. So if you can't make it to Starcast, be sure to do that. And I know Jeff's involved in that and we'll talk about that next week as well. We have Johnny Fairplay scheduled for the week after. And, um, so looking forward to that. Johnny Fairplay, uh, known a long time and, uh, he's, uh, He's a character. So, hey, if you have any questions for Jeff that you'd like me to ask, please hit us up at, at David Penzer or at Penzer Ringside on Twitter. Uh, and Johnny Fairplay, for that matter. But uh, considering that Jeff is next week, uh, hit us up with those questions. And um, as I mentioned, uh, in a couple of weeks, we have a great uh, interview with Jim Mitchell, uh, the Sinister Minister, uh, James Vandenberg, whatever you want to call him, Father Jim Mitchell. Uh, great, a great interview talking about his career and, um, and also like we mentioned, talking about in depth about, uh, Chris Canyon, who he knew better than almost anybody else, if not than anybody else. So, um, I'm excited for you guys to hear that. Uh, and I think that, uh, that, that will be a fun, uh, discussion as well. So again, at David Penzer at Penzer ringside, uh, if, you don't have Twitter, you could email me, David Penzer at radioinfluence.com. That's David Penzer at radioinfluence.com. Uh, we will be heading out to StarCast and uh, be uh, trying to book as many guests in the coming weeks and months as we possibly can at StarCast. And I'm also doing a Legends of Wrestling show. Uh, if we're going to do a uh, uh, promotion, doing a Legends of Wrestling show in Fort Myers. On September 15th, if you're in the Fort Myers, uh, Central Florida area, uh, Rick Flair will be there. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan will be there. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the Nasty Boys, and Jimmy Hart, and many more. So be sure to come check that out. They're doing – this is the first time I think they've, they've offered to do a meet-and-greet Q&A without uh, buying a ticket to the actual wrestling show. So if you just want to get uh, autographs, take pictures, and hear me – host a Q&A with the legends and you don't want to stay around for the live matches, all the live matches are a blast. But if you don't, uh, be sure to, uh, to check that out because I believe this is the first time that is being offered as an option for the legends of wrestling. We also have a championship wrestling from Florida legends fan fest. Barry Rose is going to be very upset if I don't mention it on November the 2nd, uh, here in, uh, Lutz, Florida, uh, North Tampa, Florida, uh, Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, making their first non-WWE appearance ever together. 
And uh, God, you talk about the Briscoes and, and Pat Patterson. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> we're going to be doing a, uh, a two-hour Q&A with Pat and Jerry uh, as part of the festivities. And I can't even imagine that two hours is enough to scratch the surface of, of those guys' incredible careers and what they've been a part of. And uh, hoping to get Pat on this podcast as well. Jerry Briscoe will not do podcasts. So out of respect for Jerry, I'm not going to bother him. Uh, but he's a great guy and uh, a true legend in this business. So um, if you're interested in checking out Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, first time ever in a non-WWE environment. Also, Ron and Robert Fuller will be there as well. Uh, you can go to eventbrite.com. Uh, Click on CWF Legends Fan Fest 4, and uh, we hope to see you there as well. Lots to promote this week, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed the interview next week, Jeff Jarrett. And until then, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Thank you. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd. Quick fix on Radio Influence. It was announced Conor McGregor could be Nurmagomedov Madoff October 6th. Uh, you know, kind of this was the date that the Conor camp wanted. You know, when I saw Khabib's camp trying to really push November, December, I'm like, fellas, I hope you, you don't think you're the A side of this fight because otherwise you're, you're going to lose this matchup. And, uh, you know, look, it, it was a fight to make. I can only imagine how, how steep ticket prices are going to be. Ironically, it's actually the, the Bucks bye week. So myself and Daniel are going to, you know, try to, uh, you know, do some, do some stuff out in Vegas that week. You know, look, it's going to be a huge fight. I, I, I don't know. Two million buys, man, that, that would be awesome. I'm thinking one and a half is more there. But, man, that is going to be just a – you talk about just a crazy week in Vegas. That's going to be – I mean, obviously, it's it's the biggest fight the UFC can make. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. You know, can – you know, and I keep thinking about this fight, and I still favor Khabib in the fight just because of his grappling. Um, but, man, I, I, as I think about Khabib's you – know, obviously, we'll talk more about this as the weeks come. But when I think about his four pressure, is this going to be Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo all over again? It could absolutely play a, a key role because when you think Connor, you think this guy's going to capitalize on that aggression, and when you think Connor, it all it takes is one single punch. It's not outrageous to. I mean, this is a phenomenal fight. It absolutely could go either way. My early onlook is similar to what you're saying. I think Khabib's going to win this contest, but this certainly sets up nicely for Connor McGregor in, in that we could see a total replay. Uh, of what really set him up as a superstar. I think this is going to be the biggest UFC show of all time. This is the first time we're getting a chance to see what Conor McGregor does in the box office following the Floyd May Mayweather deal. And, and that Floyd Mayweather deal was a huge deal. I mean, it turned Conor from a super-duper star into a super-duper-duper star. This is a guy who's a meme, a living, breathing meme. He, he's just a part of culture. You know, anytime you see a dolly, I mean, he's synonymous with dollies now. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.